Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, as always, Drew Douglas. One of these days, your voice is going to give out. It will literally And I'm going to be the one forced to do that. <laughs> You'll have to finish the welcome and then the rest of the podcast, and I will just be whispering into the mic. What do you think the longest you've ever done that is? Yeah, I'm curious. There was one time that I was literally turning blue and almost <laughs> fell out of the chair. And that's when we were in person doing that. You know, what's funny is we've been doing these remote just to be safe because I don't know if you know this, there's a pandemic going on right now. <sighs> so we've been doing this from the comfort of our own homes. I'm actually lying in bed right now, which is amazing. Are you, I, I know previously, because when we were doing it literally across state lines, and it was remote at that time. I'm not lying whenever I, at that time I was doing it without any pants. I just had on like my shorts and sometimes no t-shirt. I'm okay with that. Whatever makes you comfortable. But we've been doing the remote one so much that my wife actually goes, are you mad at Daniel? And I go, oh. what? <laughs> and she goes, well, you keep doing the podcast remote. And I was like, yeah, we just don't want to be in the same room together because of the pandemic. I'm not why, like, why would I still be doing it if I was mad at him? Well, it, you know, the, there's the benefit of doing remote and it is fun. But at the same time, especially whenever we end up having games, it is fun to end up seeing your face and being able to interact. Do you yeah, miss there, that there at all? some drawbacks. Every once in a while, you sound like you've been taken over by a, I don't know, robotic Satan over my headset. <laughs> there's, That's there, always entertaining. I'm like trying to piece together what you're saying. And like you said as well, there's one time where it's like the chipmunk where all of a sudden it pauses and then it speeds up. Mm -hmm. And it's we kind of figured that out though. Yeah, that's it's, true. It took like three episodes to kind of figure this out. I know this is probably the most stupid conversation if you're listening and <laughs> don't care, but we're, we're figuring this out. I don't know about you, but I have gotten in the habit of customizing my setup every Pretty, pretty much every time before we record, I'm like, oh, this will be nice. And I'll change something before or after. And then it seems like the additions or just the, what I change, it's small, but it seems like it happens every single time. Can you ever hear like my cat just meowed? I think it was the last stand episode we did. You could hear one of my dogs um, shaking like the uh, her collar or his collar, mm -hmm. I should say. I didn't hear the meow, but the last time I did end up hearing Heath when Heath was shaking. Where, where's the cat? I keep hearing the cat. Anyway, let's go. That's <laughs> hilarious that the cat's hidden and just messing with us. Well, thanks for joining us, all of you film fans and lovers out there. This is your first time. Welcome. It's a odd way to begin the quality check. Listen, but nonetheless, welcome. This is something that, you know, normally you talk about movies, but it's movies, TV shows, music, everything, especially on this podcast episode, because it is... February Pickums. We are merging not only the February picks, but we're talking about the little things. Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malik. It is Rami, right? The real Rami Malik. So we're going to merge this. We're starting off with the February Pickums. And if you're unfamiliar with the Pickums, that's where Drew and I will pick three things coming out in the month of February that we're excited about. And we want to share our love of those things with you. I got to say, this month through pretty much the rest of the summer, depending on how the pandemic goes, I'm adding more and more things to my list. It keeps growing. It's very hard. February for me was very tough to end up whittling it down. I changed my list like five different times. That's the complete opposite of me. I have one, <laughs> I have two locks, and then I had one, I just cannot remember what my third pick is. So, when I get my number three pick, it's going to be a wild card. It's something I just found within the last, I don't know, hour. I'm pumped because truly my la my third pick is a wild card. But I'll bring up some of the things that did not make my top three, but I'm still excited about them. Um, first, and I will also mention this, they're all movies in the exception of one album and it just did not make the list. So um, I will go ahead and say 
first and foremost, Judas and the Black Messiah, the, one of the new HBO films that uh, Warner Brothers films that will drop on HBO Max. It's the same day of release on the ABC, uh, a, HBO Max platform. I can't even freaking say it. Are you it. okay? Yeah. I'm, uh, so that's, apparently that's can't not talk. one of your picks? That is not one of my picks. I'm excited wow. for it. I would have bet my soul that this was in your top three. Yeah, no, I I am very excited for this movie. Um, but uh, as I said, it will come out on HBO Max and, and theaters on the same day. Uh, that's mid-February. Also did not make the list. Malcolm and Marie, very excited to see mm. some Zendaya and John David Washington, especially since that was shot during the height of the quarantine uh, for the pandemic. And that will be released on Netflix. The Father starring Anthony Hopkins getting a lot of buzz, especially for awards. That will finally be released. And then Nomadland, that's coming out on Hulu, the great Frances McDermott uh, film about her traveling around the country after, I guess, either leaving or getting fired from Amazon. And I keep hearing about the scene of her crapping in a bucket. <laughs> No joke. That's that's apparently like a scene that's talked about. I'm like, why is this? Why? But who knows? And then this. <laughs> There's got to be more to this than that. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. And um, I'm excited, though, because the same director of this film will end up also directing an upcoming. I think it's going to be the upcoming uh, Captain Marvel, uh, the second Captain Marvel. So. I'm, no, I'm excited. She she's she already did her movie. What, what? it's it's uh the Eternals. That's what she did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's I haven't seen any of her stuff. She did the writer, Nomad Land, and then mm -hmm. Songs My Brothers Taught Me. Uh I, I've heard the writer is absolutely incredible. I'm 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 interested. I'm the same as you. I've not seen any of her stuff, but this is, is something that I I'm anxious because it's kind of like this slice of life story and i just i really want to see uh what she has to offer also in anticipation for her upcoming debut in the mcu and here's the big one the big surprise that did not make my list um this was tough this i kept going back and forth on this and it was always on my list and then i finally kicked it out foo fighters oh my gosh are you serious yeah well, then I have no idea what your top three is. <laughs> I am very excited to talk about this. Uh, Foo Fires' new album. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited, but there are, are a couple of things that... Uh, well, hang on. Sa save that because that may or may not be in my top three. Okay. All right. Well, then, then that, that's maniac. all I'll say for right now. So you don't um, with, with uh, let, let's go ahead and, and get into the top three. And I'll well, say that... I, I do have my wild card. Because I'm not going to do this again. Because last year in February, I think my number one had to have been the Chiefs. Had to have been the Chiefs Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, they're back, baby. And I want to put this number one again. This is, this is going to be routine every February. Expect to see the Kansas City Chiefs playing in the Super Bowl. Are you worried this time now that Tom Brady and the no, Buccaneers are going Chiefs head to Chiefs do not lose. The Chiefs don't. They don't lose. You've been growing your hair out to match Mahomes, and so that's just going to bring you good luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I always shave the back and side, so it's I just don't have the curly hair. <laughs> I'm trying though. It's uh, I'm I'm excited for you. This is um, got to be peak high points again, even though it's back to back years. That's got to add to the excitement, right? It's uh, I'm telling you, it's weird because I know at some point it's not going to be like this, and you're not going to make the Super Bowl year after year. So you try to soak it in while you can. I'm also really super excited for the halftime show at the weekend. I think that's going to be dope. I love that guy. That yeah, that I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm expecting him to basically play it out uh, similar to how his Blinding Lights music video looks and his artwork for that. I'm I'm pumped. I'm really excited to see what he ends up doing. Maybe he'll end up bringing. A partial reenactment of his role in Uncut Gems. Did you see that he spent seven million, or he's spending seven million of his own money for this halftime show? No, whoa! Like they they fund it, but he wants 
to go above and beyond. So he's spending $7 million. That really get, makes me To get his, uh, he says it's going to be a cinematic experience for huh. everyone watching at home. Interesting. Okay. I'm now stoked. That, that, good, that makes it's me... going to be a good game, hopefully, and it's going to be a good halftime show. Yeah, just it, it'll be from start to finish great to just stick around and watch. Although with the previews of like Super Bowl commercials, I'm not expecting very much this year, are you? No, nah, it's kind of a bummer. We're probably not going to get a lot of movie previews. I feel like a lot of these Super Bowl previews that we get in terms of the blockbusters, it's a lot of stuff that I'm not super interested in. Mm. So speaking of movies, that is my number three. I uh, will go ahead and say I've got two movies and an album on my list. Number three is going to be a theater-only release for the day that it's released, but I'm excited for whenever it comes out uh, to rent later in the month. And that is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this because it's kind of flown under the radar, but it comes out February 12th. It's directed by and starring... Robin Wright, and it's Land. That's the name of it. It's basically her version of Into the Wild. And by the way, I have to say R.I.P. Hal Holbrook, who was in that movie. Um, so good. It's It basically looks like that movie, but with Robin Wright. And it's where she leaves the city, goes basically to live out the rest of her life in this cabin in um, like Alaskan uh, territory, it looks like. And it's the Rockies. Uh, okay. So, so you have seen the pre the preview, the trailers for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I'm, I'm really, the way that it's shot and the fact that it's directed by and starring Robin Wright, I, I'm a sucker for these kinds of movies. The fact that it's like, all right, I'm going to give it all up and just go live out my life in solitude. I, you know, there's always kind of a, a part of me that I'm like, I'm kind of tempted to do that from time to time. And, but then again, I think I would just become too lonely in terms of like, all right, I need to get my movies and TV shows and just like come back to reality because I just, I couldn't do that uh, forever. But it looks like a great uh, movie and I'm excited, which could, I wish that I could end up seeing it in the theater because it looks like it would be Great to see on the big screen. But yeah, that's my number three wild card pick. Mm, my number three wild card pick is a supernatural horror film that I just heard about today. And I, I don't, I think I'm saying this right. It's called Sator. Sator? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's a plot synopsis. Secluded in a desolate forest, a broken family is observed by the demon Sator who's attempting to claim them. And it comes out February 9th on VOD. Apparently this has been in post-production for almost six years because the filmmaker has been doing, it says solo work and budget limits. Huh. Um, but there are seven reviews up on Rotten Tomatoes and it's at a hundred percent right now. And it looks spooky. It definitely looks like an Ari Aster type horror film. I've heard about this and I've wondered a lot about it, but I've just kind of, let that slide because I've wondered if it would actually happen or not. Yeah. I'm getting um, a lot of like the witch vibes mm-hmm. or um, it comes at night. I get re- the preview looked like that. Man. So hopefully. I don't know. It's a wild card pick. It could be good and you can watch it at home and be scared. Ho- hopefully it's better than it comes at night. When we saw that it was the one where some, somebody kept talking and this girl got up and like, told them to shut up oh <laughs> do you do you miss any of those movie going experiences like that uh no not really <laughs> i mean i had a stretch it was like eight movies in a row where some somebody didn't did or said something stupid <laughs> there was that one movie i can't remember which one but the dude just like farted as loud as he could <laughs> i i think in the moment it's more annoying but afterwards it's kind of like thinking about it now it's funny but when i'm invested in watching something and some dude just rips yeah uh, i mean it's it's stupid <laughs> yeah i agree it's uh a moment that whenever you're telling someone else about it you're laughing with them but then at the same time it's kind of like you're laughing at how annoyed you got during that part and then also you get even more annoyed thinking 
like how you must have felt in that moment. So I kind of missed that. But at the same time, I just now I'm getting to the point where I, I just want to see some movies on the big screen. But yeah, no, I feel you. I will say with my number two pick, it's once again a movie, kind of kind of a wild card, but it looks so intriguing. And the trailer got me hooked. Not sure how I feel about it overall in terms of like how the the trailer made me feel, but the structure, how much story there should be, and the fact that this is going to be the Russo's first movie after Endgame. Mm. It's the uh, Apple TV Plus, the February 26th release of Cherry starring Tom Holland. Yeah, they love Tom Holland. I'm really intrigued to see what they're going to do with this movie because it could be really bad or it could be really good, I think. Um, I tend to think that this one probably won't be great, but I'm going to watch it. It's one of those that even though I'm sure it will look awesome or would look awesome on the big screen, I am okay seeing it at home. So therefore, this is one of those movies, even though I just talked about how much I'd love to see movies in the theater again, this I'll be gladly watching from the comfort of my own sofa. Uh, My number two is an album that you've already mentioned because you ruin everything. It comes out February 5th. It's Medicine at Midnight by the Foo Fighters. No son of my album first since 2017 um what's the last great the last great foo fighters album man that's tough because i always liked echoes so maybe i would say echoes yeah you like that i'm i'm not huge on that one i i like uh wasting light in 20 that means 2011 i think that one's freaking awesome the wasting light is uh, well, yours goes back even. Th- yours, Echoes, Silence, Patient, and Grace. That was 2007. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Yeah, I, I think I'll stand with that. Waste, here's the thing. Wasting Lights, um, it's good. I think that there are certain things about like um, a few things that I like from Sonic Highways. Um, yeah, and then it's it's not bad. I wouldn't say their albums are bad, but I pick and choose a lot more on their most recent albums. Yeah, there's always some great songs. There's always some stinkers. Um, just out of curiosity, what's your favorite Foo? Man. You had to only pick one album. Oh, that's Because I tough. don't think they've ever... Like for me, there's nothing left to lose. I, I think I've probably talked to you about that. I just think that's mm-hmm. perfect. And they've never come close to doing that again. Yeah, that's... Man, that is so tough because I know we've talked about that and... Because mm. that is that is a very solid album. I, I mean, ugh. I'd, maybe that. Um, I mean, the first I still, three I still really, really love the self-titled Foo Fighters album. Yeah, that's probably number two for me. Which which is so it's so interesting going back and revisiting that, and just imagining Dave Grohl kind of playing a flash where he's jumping around and playing all instruments at at once did you ever see the performance they did it on letterman they played um i'm pretty confident it was next year and they all rotated instruments and literally moved from instrument to instrument during the song yeah i i never i only saw like clips of it but i never watched like all of that that's still that's like my favorite foo song yeah that i i saw i saw um I need to go back. Now this is making me want to return to the Foo in terms of not just listening to their music, but watching their music videos and watching more things that they've done. Yeah, I told you they were on, um, was it South, what was it on PBS the other day? What did they do? Was it, it wasn't Austin City Limits. Oh yeah, it was Austin City Limits and it was the Foo performance from whenever. And I sat and watched that and just stumbled on it. That's so good. It's great. I, some of these songs, they've released three songs on this new album. And I, I like two of them a lot. Um, one's okay. 
But I tell you, they released Shame Shame first. It's a song that I didn't like at first. I thought it was a weird choice. It's a single. I still mm-hmm. do. But that one's grown on me a lot. The chorus is super catchy. Yeah. Very different from a, what I would expect from a Foo Fighter single, especially your first one on a new album. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. Well, like you said, was it Variety? Who said that there? it's the most pop album that they've released? I think it was, I've seen it numerous places, but Rolling Stone mentioned it and it was, uh, it was like NPR or somebody that mentioned it's, it's their most pop album, but it's gotten good reviews so far from what I've seen. You know, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Shame, shame was, it was a very strange pick, but I didn't hate it, but it has grown on me a lot. And I'm wondering if this album's going to be that way as well. The other thing that's awesome, nine tracks, 36 minutes. I know you like maybe something a little longer. I don't have the attention span for that. So a 36 minute album, I'm all about it. I like my movie. My, my music as long as my Avengers movies. I just like to think that if if it's thirty minutes and it's nine to ten tracks, every one of those tracks is great. You didn't you you cut yeah. the fat out because if it's fourteen songs, I guarantee you two or three of those are awful. Yeah. So I'm hoping with nine tracks, this is not filler. Yeah, and now it, it's interesting because I remember when we had had this conversation in the past. I've thought a lot about that, and if if you go in and you set out to make a record. And your idea is, okay, we're not going to release more than like, say, eight songs on this album. That really forces you to like pick apart other songs and put the best of what you've got in those songs in the songs that actually make the cut. And it's interesting to go back and listen to old demos of other bands, especially Foo, and hear what they've taken and and what they've borrowed from other songs and put in uh, less popular songs uh, or more popular songs. But yeah, I mean, that that idea has kind of grown on me since we've last talked about it. One, talking about music and talking about keeping it tight, my number one is about doing that as well. And it is John Carpenter's Lost Themes, Alive After Death. Mm. Coming out, same I day. have known. Same day, February. Oh wow! 5th. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't freaking get enough of this. I have been listening to so much John Carpenter. I feel like I am living in this uh, dystopia um, world where if I put on sunglasses, I'm going to end up seeing aliens, and that <laughs> slashers are after me all the time. I freaking love it. I love. I now I've only listened to three tracks so far because I don't want to listen to all of it. And I just, I'm, I'm ready for more. And I've been listening to his other Lost Themes, Lost Themes 1 and 2. And I cannot be more pumped about getting this on the day it's released. So pumped. Johnny C, 73. And we, gotta, we just got to really enjoy him. There's one song and it's called Weeping Ghost. Cannot stop listening to it. It's almost like it was plucked from one of his older horror films, like say Prince of Darkness or something like that. Mm. And it's just, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant composition. I took a break from my Carpenter binge because it was like going strong in October, but I still need to watch In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, uh, I really, honestly, I want to rewatch The Fog again because I just, every time I watch that one, I love it even more. It's on Prime. My numero one is it gets the one spot, but I have to say, I have major doubts that this is going to be any good. It's the new CBS drama slash thriller, Clarice. Yeah. Which I love. I love. I like the books a lot. I love the character a lot. Um, I mean, if you've read anything, you know that they can't use Hannibal. They can't mention Hannibal. But this is a follow-up to The Silence of the Lambs we follow Clarice one year later after her incident with Buffalo Bill and, uh, you know, Hannibal, which we're again, not going to mention at all. Uh, I've already seen one headline from entertainment weekly and EW absolutely blows. So keep that in mind. But they said, (laughs) this is another quote, bland procedural end quote. Uh, I don't know how good this is going to be, but I love Buffalo Bill. 
I love the Silence of the Lambs. And I'm going to give it a shot. Imagine if they took the Hannibal treatment and gave that to Clarice. I liked Hannibal a lot for the first two seasons. I, I think I've said this before. Season three, Brian Fuller had his head shoved so far into a sphincter. <laughs> and he was just doing literally whatever he wanted. And it just, I, I wouldn't mind rewatching that whole series, especially season three, because I just did not like it. But I didn't like that last season. Mm. With seeing, I guarantee you, whatever CBS is doing, they ain't going to be doing that because CBS blows. But yeah, and that's a problem. We'll like, if only they ended up taking a gritty, pushing the envelope TV show, and honestly, they could have the unrated version on CBS All Access. Why not? It's you know funny. TV line. I just looked this up. So EW said another bland procedural. The TV line review in this. Uh, the first line, it says, Clarice is disappointingly bland and grim procedural. Ooh. Okay. Maybe probably not a good number one pick, but I don't care. <laughs> this also says it suffers from a lack of Lecter. Yeah, I understand. Though, Lecter doesn't show up for however many years later in the in the book. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like this is an, an interesting idea if you're going to try to navigate around not having him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was optimistic whenever I heard about this and then I saw one of the promos. I'm like, e- maybe, maybe. It probably won't last past season one. Yeah, if it'll make it through season one. Yeah, well, I think you have to because of pandemic. You're like, you could have the worst show imaginable, but you got to keep it on because you ain't got <laughs> nothing else. Yes, that's a good point. Well, that is a twist of it being number one because I actually thought that you'd end up having the chiefs number one and then foo two. And then the third one was going to be cherry. That would have been my guess. Mm. No black Judas almost made it. And then what was the other, you had another movie. What in not no Malcolm Man and Marie. I would watch now probably not no man land, but Malcolm and Marie. I'll watch for the two leads though. I think that looks super pretentious too. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. And that's why I bumped it down. And I keep hearing amazing things about the father. It, I, I hear, speaking about Clarice and, and Lecter, Anthony Hopkins, who played him in the older films, I hear that this is, in the father, his best role in years. Is it he's like got onset dementia or something? What is the... Yeah, so the story is told from his perspective and what it's like to be someone who is who has dementia and I've heard that the way that the structure of the film goes is that it's not, they don't play into the, the cliche um, moments of what you would expect to be coming from a film like that. So it gives me hope that, I mean, heck looking at the reviews, it's through the roof of if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and see that it's sitting at a hundred percent, but I mean, those are all critics. They've. I want to say it came out in, at TIFF and it, just people ate it up. But yeah, that's. Uh, I'm pumped for it. But I don't know how I'm going to watch that movie. So I had to put it as one of the runner-ups. Yeah, that's the problem. I bet that's on VOD quick, though. Uh, yeah, I could see that too. But all right. Well, that will take care of our February pickums. Now let's pivot to... The Little Things. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend you got. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still gotta catch him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. He must really like my car. What can you tell us about the brand new Warner Brothers movie that was released in theaters and on HBO Max the same day? Brand new uh, WB logo, too. Have you seen that before? Yeah, no. I kind of dig it. I dig it, too. Anyway, the plot follows two police officers who try to catch a serial killer in 1990 Los Angeles. 
And then they find a strange man who becomes their top suspect. It was written and directed by John Lee Hancock. Came out on January 29th, as you said, HBO Max in theaters. Um, budget $30 million. Box office, big surprise. Because we're doing this at home and in theaters. It made $4.8 million this weekend. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest R rating opening since mid-March. <laughs> right before the COVID pandemic closed the nation's movie theaters. I think that speaks volumes to Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, no pandemic, this movie opens with like, I don't know, 30. You think 30 million is too much? 25 to 30? If COVID never happened, I, I think that that's a good number. I feel like this could be a, well, I don't want to say it's going to be a hit, but you know, it might do okay. I would say okay. It would, it, because Denzel's movies, if you go back and not only with the reviews, but typically he's one of the last true big action, well, not action, but movie stars who rakes in all of his movies, they rake in over 100 mil. And he's pretty steady. He doesn't release a lot of movies. It's typically like one every year, every other year, but he is pretty much. He's, you know, got a huge following. I'm a huge Denzel fan. I, I I love him. I love the behind the scenes where Leto was talking about working with Denzel and what that was like to kind of clash with him in terms of the characters on set. So that was pretty fun. And I bet Denzel was like, this is the weirdest dude I've ever met. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I was wondering too. Let's get into kind of our overall thoughts on the movie. What did you think about this? I enjoyed it. I didn't think this is a great film. I think it feels dated um, in certain aspects because, again, this I think we mentioned on the last podcast or recently, it was written in like 1993 initially by John mm-hmm. Lee Hancock. Spielberg was supposed to do it, and he said it was too dark. Apparently, it's been kicking around dust for the last 30 years, which is insane. Um, I, I like... Just to keep this short, I like things about this. I think some things are um, head scratchers in terms of what they do. I think two of the three main actors in this are really good, and there's one that I want to talk about, whether or not he's great or it's it's just insane. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can probably figure out who that is. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say that that was awesome just to see him be insane. I'm not saying it's not entertaining, but I was left wondering, what is Jared Leto doing? (laughs) And honestly, what is Denzel thinking when he's watching all this unfold in front of his eyes? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's so funny because I kept wondering the same thing throughout this entire movie. What's going through Denzel's mind? I agree with you on everything. I will say it's one of those movies that I liked... However, I could see this being one of the least popular Denzel movies due to the ending. And spoilers, spoiler alert here. Um, we're going to get into um, talking about some of those uh, things that we'll be revealing to the plot and character development, all that stuff. But um, I think the ending was not what I expected. And because of that, it could be a movie that doesn't have really the best word of mouth and it's going to be kind of kicked off or uh, passed off as boring possibly i do think that it's a little bit too long if it was tightened and they focused less on the whodunit and more on the aspect of what it really became which was kind of a character study of the sins of Denzel's past coming back to haunt him and how he's trying to prevent more or less Malik from going through the same thing in which at the end it was kind of almost like true detective it felt to me almost like the movie version of true detective where you know time as Matthew McConaughey said in that show time is a um, flat uh, surface and you just go back to the same thing historically speaking and you um it's kind of like a circle and no matter what um, you're going to repeat certain things. And I I think that Denzel 
um, did great. Malik and Leto, I enjoyed those performances as well. Uh, but I'll keep it at that. That it could be a divisive film just in terms of if people start it, they're like, well, that's not what I expected going into it at all because that's that's how I felt. And especially the ending, like, huh, it left me wondering, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. What did you think was the best thing about this film? There's a lack of urgency to this film because mm -hmm. I really thought we were going to be having body after body after body. And they're, they're trying to, we got to find this guy. We got to nab this guy to end it, to end these killings. And there is none of that. Mm -hmm. It's like we have these two characters trying to find a killer and they meet Leto and the focus shifts entirely to this strange man. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into why I don't think that works in in what doesn't work but i i have to admire that this is not at all what i expected uh, mm -hmm. i think denzel's really good i think rami's really good and i i kind of admire that this feels dated this feels like it was made in the 90s mm -hmm. and it was clearly written and set in the 90s there's something about it that i i find kind of comforting this for me is along the lines of fallen which i don't think is a great film but it's mm -hmm. a film that i i look back on fondly because I was young when I watched it and I rewatched it and it still kind of creeped me out a little bit. Um, and that's not a, a great film by any stretch, but I do enjoy that. I think Denzel elevates material that isn't very good or just average. And then you pair him up with Rami and those two, I think, are really good together. Mm -hmm. It's tough for me because I think the chemistry between both of them and this you know, young and old, this almost lethal weapon type um, budding up was really cool. I like that, but I have to say the best thing, as you said, it goes to Denzel. I think that it will play better on rewatches because thinking back in my mind, as we know, rewatching this film what happened to Denzel. And especially whenever the coroner shows Denzel the bullet that she keeps around her neck as a necklace. And that's the bullet that they pulled out of the girl who he accidentally shot and killed um, of the crime scene that kind of sent him over the Which edge. Which I didn't piece together at first. Oh, so- Like it looked like a flower to me at first. I didn't know it was a bullet. And then he just has a kind of a quiet breakdown at that moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's good. I, I didn't realize that either while watching the movie. And so after the fact, whenever it's revealed as she takes that out of her chest, I'm like, oh, interesting. And then it's almost too the fact of it looking like a flower is kind of like something that you would kind of symbolically attach to life and something that's growing is the complete opposite of that. And that's something that literally shattered Denzel's life. I found that to be interesting, but Denzel just elevated this material and his simple emotions. He didn't even have to say certain things, but there were certain things, how he acted that from start to finish said so much. And I think that in a true sense of an actor, He's displaying that as what it means to be an actor. And he just makes it look so effortless. And once again, proves why I love Denzel so much. But so I have to give a hats off to Denzel. I think he's the best part of this movie. What about worst thing? I'm guessing is your worst thing, Jared Leto? <laughs> no, uh, I go back to the urgency thing. I think the urgency, there is no urgency in this film, which is frustrating. Um, I like the ending a lot. One thing, though, that goes against this ending, you could make it seem as if Leto is the killer. But if there's another killing, you're going to know that you killed the wrong dude. Mm -hmm. So in like two weeks, he's going to know. I was, by the end of this film, I was led to believe that Jared Leto was not the killer. Yeah, I agree. So when that killer strikes again, Rami's going to be in a deep depression. Yeah, Jared Leto. First of all, can Hollywood not find a better fat suit? He literally looked like he had just shoved a, a pillow into his <laughs> <laughs> into his shirt. It was the strangest thing. So he had this fake looking gut, the weird nose, the greasy hair, which is just whatever. I don't know. Was it too much? Because at first, when we first kind of meet him, he's creepy when Denzel's snooping around his car. 
and then he speaks and he's got some, he's doing something weird with his voice. I just mm-hmm. couldn't, I was like, what, what is he doing? Did <laughs> we need to do so much? I think Leto could have just walked out and been himself and it would have been creepy enough. Also loved his, how he like threw his right leg uh, to the side. Like he was swinging it to the side as he walked. Like it, he was yeah. limping. It wasn't just, we need like two ticks. This person has like 14 things going <laughs> yeah, on with yeah. him. <laughs> They definitely doubled down uh, multiple times. and Highly entertaining. I mean, I was entertained, but I was like, this is too much. You yeah. should have picked two things and then let out. You don't get to have any more input. Well, I guarantee you he wanted all that stuff. Yeah, and he said in the behind the scenes that he and Denzel, well, all the actors got to work directly with uh John Lee Hancock in terms of designing not only the characters, but how they looked, how they talked, all the mannerisms. So I kind of like it though. And it's one of those that it's bad, but like you said, it's kind of like a good bad. Like I, I, I'm taking that as like more of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. It is. His choices were odd. One other thing that I thought was odd, the music, Thomas Newman, I think mm. he does a lot of good work. It didn't fit the movie for me. Mm-hmm. It was like happy music. <laughs> this is a freaking serial killer film. <laughs> there was times when I was like, what? Are we watching American Beauty? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, there's a, and it's an interesting, it's like Denzel's theme. I found it to be unique. I'm not sure how I felt about it. Like, I was very mixed. Times I was okay with it and times I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There were times I didn't notice it, and then when I noticed it, it wasn't good. It was it was distracting. The other thing, too, the Denzel backstory, you know something's going to be like that. He's going to have some baggage. It, it didn't feel fresh in any way. It felt very dated, and I saw it coming a mile away. With having this movie, I think a lot of it, to me, boiled down to the structure taking away more than anything else. I felt as if even though the trailers insinuated there was something going on with Denzel, you weren't quite sure what it was. And so that left that mystery open. I thought the movie did a good job of building that mystery and leading to something and then ultimately revealing, okay, instead of zigging over here and being like a whodunit, let's catch the killer, it zagged over here to be this movie about this, not only Denzel, but Rami now, they're dealing with what they have to do day in and day out. And it's whether or not they can live the rest of their lives coping with, ideally, what's making the world a better place. Going off of some dialogue that Rami said earlier in the film, I thought it was great. I just think that they could have tightened a little bit. And I think it kind of starts to fall apart whenever they go to Leto and they start to shift more of that focus on him. I think that if they were able to tighten the script and just whittle down what they were able to do with how they incorporated Leto, it would have been a little bit better. Although, I mean, we got a lot of, it felt like they got, we got a lot of scenes with Leto. It would have been interesting if they took more of that Hannibal Lecter approach, like in Silence of the Lambs, where we only see a little bit of him. And his creepiness keeps us guessing. Like instead of, in the very beginning when we first see Leto's character and he's working in that appliance store and Denzel walks him and he gets that list of people, of employees, and he leaves. And then we see the back of Leto's head, but as Denzel walks out the door, we see Leto turn around and face the camera. It would have been cool just to see the back of his head. So yeah. there are certain things that if it just built more to Leto and we it just left that ambiguity open, it would have been, I think, better. So, yeah. and that kind of is how I feel with the ending. Just leave it a little more ambiguous, mm-hmm. and uh, just let me decide if I think Leto did it for one, and then, and then the the hair. What what was it? Uh? Beretta. I don't even, Beretta. Beretta. That's not right. It's a gun. <laughs> Woo! Um. Now, so overall, let's talk about what you would give this movie for a letter grade. I mean, would you watch this again? Will you watch this within the next two years? Ooh. I, will I can't s- say that I'm going to sit and like think about this movie a lot, but I would I, I would say 
sometime in the future, the next three to four years, I'll watch this again. I'd say I, I'd say you're right. Now, the movie itself is not going to be something I want to rewatch right away. I will say after it, I thought a lot about it. And on as soon as the credits started rolling, I'm like, hmm, uh, I'm not sure if I like that. But I thought about it more. And it's interesting because anytime a movie makes me think, even if I'm not like a huge fan, I've said this before, Mystic River, when the movie started playing, I'm like, huh, I'm not sure. And that movie ranks as one of my favorite movies of all time. But it's something about keeping something simple and it just sticks. And there's something that in my mind kind of has been lasting with me, but it doesn't make me want to rewatch the movie any, anytime soon. So no, I won't return to it in the next two years, but I will rewatch it. At some point in your life, I would probably give it, hmm, I would say a C. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with a, hearing your grade kind of makes me want to bump this down, but earlier I wrote down a B minus. And I feel like that's a little too high, but it's pretty average. I'll go with C plus just because it's, I felt like there were certain things that kept it at average, but then Denzel's performance and then Malik and it all just, so it's right around there. I'll, I'll just stick with C plus. Now, my last question though, in terms of the rating, the scoring of this as well, you asked about, will you rewatching this in the next two years? My question, is this worth getting an HBO Max subscription just for this movie? No, absolutely not. It That's it. It's not going to move the needle, I think, in terms of attracting new viewers. For those who already have the service, I think it's going to be nice to have this. But This is the thing, too. You have to look at it as the entire 2021 slate. If we're factoring in this being in that slate of movies, and yes, it is appealing and it would be a reason why I would get this service. Would I do mm -hmm. it solely for this one? No, but I love that once a month, if not twice, we're getting movies that would be in theaters on HBO Max. February's prime with HBO because not only technically it, it was the end of January, but I still almost consider the little things to be a February release. But we have this, then Judas, and then at the end of February, Tom and Jerry. Just think about March, though. Oh. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Godzilla versus Kong. That now, is, that's the stuff that's going to get people to sign up. Exactly. Agree. And I also, we brought this up before recording, but you said these new releases, like Wonder Woman 1984, and then the little things, the only things on HBO Max that are on 4K. Does that really make a difference to you if you're getting a subscription for the first time? For me personally or just mm -hmm. in general? I'd no. say you personally. Because I want I want the good content. It, it, it is a good bonus though. Yeah, it's, I love this idea of of doing this where, like, for the new releases, we get that. And because it looked good. I, I loved it. And it was like, this was a first, like, movie night in a ways that I treated, like, watching this movie. And um, and I, 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 it was a lot of fun to do that. And yeah, it, we did even, too. We planned the night around it as if we were going to the movies and we ate and then sat down with our snacks and we watched it. And it was, Obviously, we didn't go anywhere, but I liked it. I like looking forward to that because it was coming out on a Friday. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. So something about this, I think the idea of HBO doing this, great idea. The way they went about it, eh, but at least we're getting these kinds of movies. <laughs> yeah, execution might not have been good, but I would say the smartest move of anybody. If you yeah. had gone about this the right way in terms of contacting everyone and paying everyone for this, as they should be paid for, you know, maybe they're not making as much in theaters or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, this would be a slam dunk in a lot of ways, assuming yeah. things go back to normal. Let me ask you uh, before we wrap this up for the little things and now Wonder Woman 1984, 
are you kind of disappointed in the first two releases on HBO Max, like the the big movies, or not really, just because you know what's ahead? No, I mean, if we went to the movies, it wouldn't change my opinion at all. Like, True. I would feel the, the exact same way. And these are two things that I would have seen in theaters. Yeah. Um, of these two so far, how do you rank one, two? What's oh, your man. number one? The, the little actually, things. That's your number one? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would put that number one, too. I honestly have not thought about 1984, like, at all. Uh, I have, but it's all been bad. <laughs> Ooh. I, you know, I take that back. The only good thing is I've thought about Kristen Wiig and how awesome she looked at times as, like, Dr. Minerva before Cheetah. Man, like, people hate that movie. Yeah, I... Oh, that's it's 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 a shame, but... The little things by far, I would I would put it at number one. And anytime we get new Denzel, count me in. I know he needs to work with his son. That would be awesome. I would love to see that kind of movie. That, in addition to that, let's say a crime thriller that's like, say, Fallen or uh, like this '90s style action drama kind of like the little things that would be cool i did like the setting though i like when we go back in time and we can't use our modern technology oh man this now gets me pumped to for the possibility of a john david and denzel movie Ooh, man how to do it they i i hope they do let's make it happen washington's that'd be great to see well film fans that is a jumbo size quality check podcast episode for you Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And hopefully you are watching The Stand because we're wrapping The Stand cast up. That's going to be our next episode in which we talk about what happens in New Vegas. And spoiler alert, there's a lot of sex. So <laughs> until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.